0: Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey
1: everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of the Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, FSW just had a big show this past weekend. How you doing after the show? And uh, we'll get into uh, a little bit about the show here in a second.
0: Uh, going good. You know, it's, it was the first step in place, you know, in a three step program to get to Survival of the Fittest, you know, on August uh, 21st. So, you know, we had a couple of things in place, they kind of uh, fell through which, again, had talked about it before about uh, New Japan running, and T.J. Perkins hit me up about the 21st, and then when I messaged him today about it, he's like, oh, I'm going to be in Cali for the 21st, which is the New Japan show. So, Right.
1: Um, is that affecting anyone else that you had uh, scheduled?
0: Well, it, it stopped uh, the idea of using, you know, Bateman and, we had talked with the uh, the former 1% and guys like that, that they all worked that show. If, you know, I already knew Tom Lawler wouldn't be there, whether we had something for him out of sight, out of mind, out of, mind, out of sight, you know what I mean? Right. So it was like, we knew, you know, once that date came up, that guys wouldn't be available. So we had to uh, figure it out. You know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of things in place, uh, but uh, I got a message yesterday from a promoter who's actually looking to run the day before, uh, and they're going to use the FSW arena. And thankfully, we uh, purchased that second ring last week, so now we don't have we don't have to give up, you know, the rental fee. Now, basically, our rental right. fee for Silver Nuggets covered by somebody renting the venue the day before.
1: Oh, that's nice. That's a good, good way for it to, uh, to come about. Um, did, is it someone who will be using potentially local talent?
0: Uh, we had talked a little bit. He's mainly going to use uh, other guys. He, he gave me a list of people that were going to be there already. You know, and and it was a pretty good list. You know, he's talking about you know somebody like uh, homicide possibly being there, and sure. and Atticus and uh, RSP. He's also talking about Ortiz and Brody King. So, you know, as long as there's a couple of spots, which there should be at survival of the fittest, you know, I told them for sure we would definitely be interested in using homicide uh, on a show at FSW.
1: Um, when you, when you get something like that, um, does it ever concern you of, uh, the potential of possibly fans not going to your show the next day? Uh, does that ever cross your mind of, you know, being a potential, let's say risk of, um, allowing someone else to run a show where you're renting them the stuff or does that just basically just kind of uh kind of flush itself out because of the fact that you know if if they were in town just running it versus you at least getting the um you know the compensation for renting of fsw itself um is that is that something that you you look at as like okay You know, guys are going to run, and as long as I can make something with them running, then, you know, it makes it worth the while, and we should still have a good crowd.
0: Well, the, the Mecca was based off running the day after two Ring of Honor shows, so most of these companies that are coming in are not bigger than Ring of Honor. You know, we've done stuff with GCW after they ran, and we ran the next day, so... To me, there's means it's more wrestling fans in town. You know, we ran a show SummerSlam Sunday afternoon before SummerSlam. And it was the most people we've ever had in the FSW arena. So, you know, my only concern was when I'm thinking about it is like, wow, their shows in 25 days and they don't even have anything out for it. So, you know, (laughs) that's on them. How how good are they going to be able to promote something? That's happening in three weeks. You know, we already have, you know, some flyers out and information for survival of the fittest. And it's really rare that our fans are going to bypass our show for a company that's never really done anything in Vegas. You know what I mean? It's like they may have a little bit of a following, which may be more, you know, fight TV oriented. You know, they bring their own production crew because I said, hey, the one thing we can't provide you is, you know, some of that production stuff. It's going to be at the Silver Nugget already set up, you know, our audio and the microphones that we use for commentary and things like that. So, you know, they're hoping to do something. And again, you know. Thankfully, some people are smart enough to understand that, okay, it's our first shot in Vegas. We're going to take it slow instead of some of these fly-by-night companies who roll in, try to run a big show, and nobody knows about it. And right. then nobody shows up to it. So, you know, it, it, it's good. that it, You know, that means there's going to be three shows that week. There's that other Lucha show at... Uh, at the silver nugget that's going to be running a few days after ours. Yeah. You know, different fan base, you know, if they promote it, well, you know, I was, I was, I was a guy looking to try to get some people involved in running some big time Lucha shows at the silver nugget. Cause I think they could be hugely successful.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that you, you, you brought up a, a great point and that's promotion. And, um, it seems like that's something that tends to be overlooked a little bit when you are um, newer at doing things or newer to an area. For whatever reason, promotion seems to be kind of something that's not in front of you. It's something that you kind of leave behind you and then you realize, oh, shit, we're not selling tickets. Um Is that one of the reasons that flyering in in an area like Las Vegas really kind of helps bring out people who might have maybe never heard of your product or uh, maybe just wasn't aware, maybe they don't follow you on social media? Uh, You know, is that old school method still something that seems to uh, bring in more walk-up fans for you
0: i think it's a lot more difficult these days because back in the day you know we could go to a wwe show uh okay we're running the mecca after ring of honor we're inside sam's town and we're handing out flyers to five to 800 fans that are there so you know throwing a flyer at Walmart or a swap meet or things like that is really throwing something against the wall and hoping something sticks. The good yeah. part about it is, you know, I'll never I'll never buy flyers locally because you know the price is four times, five times the price than going on you know online and getting it. So when I'm getting 2,500 flyers for 90 bucks, you know the problem also becomes getting the students to hand them out and actually like paying attention to where they're going. Uh, With social media and what we have, we we have a fan page. Well, the fan page consists of all people who buy who have bought in tickets. I'm not going to add somebody. Who doesn't come to the show because their friend requests to add them, you know, and we have an email list and we initially had gotten our own email list. But now every time 90% of our tickets get sold, it's through PayPal, Cash App, whatever, and their emails are present there. So now I've made up a list of two, three hundred emails. And every time we have a show, you know, I'll include the flyer and i'll say hey this is what we got going on big show blah 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 blah, silver nugget anniversary we got this this is going to be here so it goes right to the source you know yeah. now you can go right to the source so the problem is when you're a company that kind of travels around and you're not gcw and you don't have that huge fan base who are you hitting up yeah the fan you got in Arizona or California that you're going to hope is going to drive five and a half hours. Well, if you're relying on them, you're in fucking shit's Creek because you know, other than Kelby Klein, you don't got a lot of people that are going to be driving up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Um, and, uh, you had a big show with the, uh, high octane new beginnings this past weekend. Uh, Right away, new No Limits champion, Matt Vandegrift. Um, Deja vu. Yeah. Uh, Have you ever had, I mean, this is the first time it's happened with the No Limits title, but have you ever had a championship um, literally pass uh, three straight times um, or or more?
0: No, that, uh, yeah. I, I guess we can say that uh tyshawn prince was the champ sean ricker beat him for the title two weeks later remy marcel beat sean ricker for the title and two or three weeks later tyshawn prince beat remy marcel to gain the title so that happened many years ago and this is the first time that uh it's exchanged hands between the same two people three different times. And who knows? It could be a fourth. Jay Vidal has put his FSW career on the line on August 21st. He is so confident that he is the better man, that he'll put his career on the line. He wasn't waiting to make sure that there was going to be a rematch clause, you know, interjected into the match. He wanted the match. He was mad, you know, and you know Brand Brandy was as as upset as Jay Vidal was, obviously, in losing the uh, the championship. <laughs> she may she may go on strike from FSW uh, if Jay Vidal doesn't recapture that championship.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, the only way to make it up to her is to uh, get Cross back for. Uh, a run of shows so that. Uh, no, no,
0: different brandy, brandy, different brandy. Oh, it's the other brandy who loves Jay Vidal. Gotcha. That's Brandy Lowry who loves Cross. Cross, wow. uh Yeah. Know your brandies. One's with a Y and one's with an I.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, then. See, that's, uh, the thing.
0: that's the stuff I need to keep up with. That's what makes right. me the wondrous promoter that I am
1: uh well you know what though it's actually that's a great point that you know that familiarity is something that you don't get in a lot of places um and uh really shows uh you know when you recognize people and know people at the door um and you can actually you know point them out on the list before they even give their name which yeah. i've seen you do so it's it's very well, impressive so-
0: and then to coincide with my 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 personability that's through the roof, you know, how how could you not be loved? You know what I'm saying? That's what makes Rocky T jealous, you know what I'm saying? Right. That everybody loves Joe DeFalco, except the wrestlers who don't get the big push that they want. Then they hate Joe DeFalco. A piece of shit.
1: Well, you know, it's reminiscent of uh, an old man who was forced into retiring just uh, this week, uh, you know, having the, uh, the daughter and son-in-law step right in. I'm pretty sure Joey and Rocky T are waiting for you to uh, announce your well, retirement.
0: Oh, they're waiting in the wings. But, you know, if I had to pay off the $14.6 million like he did, I would have just taken it out of the $500 million in my own bank account Instead of taking it out of the company funds,
1: yeah, yeah, just for, saying. For as smart and uh, you know, for for what he did over the years for business, it's just remarkable that he was stupid enough to just do that. Uh, so when you look at uh, Jay and Matt, um they are two of the elite performers right now on the independent scene. And, you know, it looks like hopefully um, they're on their way to a major company, uh, you know, within the next year or two years with this rivalry, how have they been able to keep it fresh so that the fans stay engaged? Because, that's something that you can always you know point to when you have guys wrestling and in you know jay puts his career on the line that's a fourth time in a row that jay will be wrestling matt is that something that they you feel have been able to elevate to uh, a you know a better level uh, of performance uh, on each match so that the uh, the fans are staying engaged and uh, are ready to see uh, what could be a final blow-off match?
0: Well, you know, everybody pays attention to title changes, as we said. You know, Matt, if you've looked over him for the last year, year and a half from the unguided to where he is now, it's a different persona. It's a different person. You know, Matt is similar to Jay Vidal that those guys were enthralled in a a major tag team, and one because of personal issues and one because of injury issues forced them to go out on their own. And they were singles guys when they first came in, and we definitely saw the potential. But we didn't see them explode. So after the tag team ran its course and they went back into their singles thing, you know, Matt Vandegrift comes back in way better shape. Matt Vandegrift puts on a great match. Now we don't see Matt Vandegrift until the uh, anniversary show and he's got a whole new look. And, you know, he, he has, he has that major league feel about him yeah. and you know, whether that's because he got the opportunities to wrestle You know, Davey Richards, Mike Bailey, TJ Perkins, you know, and, and all the guys, you know, Kenny King that he's gone through, you know, the confidence level, that's the most important thing. You know, there's plenty of guys who are really good, but when you get to that next level, when you step in the ring, you're not intimidated by, you know, someone At a much higher level, you know, I always said the same thing when we talked about, you know, uh, Bryce Harrison with Paul London, as good as Bryce was the first time he wrestled Paul London, it was like, I'm just happy to be here. And after that experience and his continued growth, and then working with Austin Aries, by the time he wrestled Paul London the second time, the confidence level was through the roof. And I said, if you had no knowledge that one of these guys was in the wwe you couldn't tell which one because they both presented themselves at such a high level and you know and and that's what we've seen and we've seen that with tons of fsw guys you know you can bitch you can complain you can rail things that we do but chris bay got the confidence Cross got the confidence. Lacey got the confidence. Sepha got the confidence. You know, and I'll go as far as guys who haven't made it to that national level. Remy Marcel has gotten that confidence. You know, Cody not intimidated to be in the ring with Nick Gage. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes people need to take a step back. Jacob Austin Young with Davey Richards. You know, Damian Drake. So many of our longer-term guys who've got Hammerstone. You know, there was a time when, you know, it was a big deal for Hammerstone to be in the ring with somebody. But now, you know, that's a a huge deal for Fresco to be inside the ring with Hammerstone and Ice Williams getting that opportunity and everybody who's gone through the pike because we still have those guys. You know, we still have TJP around. We have Hammerstone. We have Bay. You know, he's looking at, you know, who he'd like to engage with, you know, down the line. You know, Gregory Sharp, you know, had the opportunity now to work at Davy Richards. It's been a while. You know, he had Paul London early on years ago, and they had a really, really good match. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, you know, when, when the guy is hitting me up about using the arena, you know, those are just some of the guys that I'm going to pitch to him, a funny bone. You know, you know, just off the top of my head, a Cody or a Funny Bone and Homicide, you know, would definitely be uh, an intriguing match. Yeah. So if Ortiz is coming in, you know, do we incorporate LAX into the mix? Uh, Do we call, oh, we can't call Danny Limelight because he's in uh, New Japan that day. So, but yeah, you know, there's the you know, that'd be a real interesting version of Homicide LAX1 Ortiz LAX2 and Limelight LAX3 you know.
1: Yeah. yeah um, and, you know, interesting uh, to to think of the possibilities uh, especially with those kind of talents wrestling some of the uh, FSW guys um, definitely is, is intriguing. Uh, you mentioned Hammerstone and Fresco, uh, how do you think uh, Fresco fared in that match? Uh, Because I thought it was uh, a very good showing from him.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. You know, uh, Fresco, other than his Big Valley run, is predominantly being used as a tag team wrestler. So, you know, it's a little more difficult. And, you know, bottom line is taking on Hammerstone, you're taking on one of the best in the business. So... You know, all you can do is look at it. I didn't see every part of the match to know, you know, I, I I clipped through some stuff and, you know, from what I saw, you know, he presents himself well, you know, I talked with Hammerstone and, you know, he, he's, he's a big proponent on guys listening and, and, you know, trying to seize the moment and, you know, even in promos, letting, you know, letting, letting both sides get their words in. You know, a lot of times uh, guys are overzealous and they like to cut people off before the points are made. And it just becomes a rambling session back and forth. And, you know, so the faction has is another one. You know, Ice Williams was in a really good position, but he lifted the faction and the faction lifted him. And, you know, he's a main event player. And not that he wasn't a top guy in the no limits division, but now he's a top guy. He he can go anywhere. You know, we have top guys all over the place. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, don't count out Brett the threat, man. That You know, that kid, you know, gets universal respect from anybody I've talked to, whether it's Dom in Arizona and the way he presents himself, you know. He can be a little kooky at times, but, you know, he does good business. He understands, you know, not to make comparisons of, like, Kevin Cross, because Kevin was heads and above, above anybody who I ever saw, you know, with gimmick character, Mike stuff, but Brett the Threat's the type of guy who his wrestling continues to come along, and it's definitely strong, but just the persona and the way he presents himself, you know, stands out amongst the younger guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, uh, getting a chance to uh, finally uh, put down Cal Jack uh, was something that was very, um, I think, rewarding to to see him. Uh, a little odd. That. What was that?
0: It was a little odd.
1: Yeah, but but overall though, he's still you know just being able to to have that win over him um, was was good to see in that sense. Um, yeah, the match itself, I, I agree, it was it was a little odd. Um, well, it was a lot odd, but yeah. But you know, it's it's you know how, how do you. How do you um, how do you present that to a guy like Cal Jack and a guy like Brett who are kind of on different spectrums? Cal Jack having the experience and, and Brett, you know, still being the younger guy. How do you feed that back in terms of letting them know, you know, your thoughts about how it went and. And how do they present it to you afterwards in terms of giving you feedback from what they thought?
0: Well, we haven't had that conversation yet, and we we definitely will. Uh, I was kind of outside, and, you know, I heard different stories from people, and and I kind of saw the ending. And, you know, it wasn't what I expected. It's pretty much all I can say at this moment because that's not what I thought was going to happen. So then there ended up being a a promo back and forth that, you know, I had no knowledge of. So as I said before, before I make full comment on it, you know, I'd like to watch everything, but to say that I thought everything went smooth in that match. Absolutely not.
1: Um. When you look at uh, Gregory Sharp, uh, Kid Isaac, that that was a pretty decent uh, showing for Kid Isaac against uh, you know someone who's been such a great uh, uh, you know talent in in the ring and the new persona that he's had the last year or so um, is is Greg it, when Greg gets a guy like Kid Isaac. Is that um, something that – I think
0: Cal Jack's online too for you.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, Cal Cal Jack uh, is monitoring uh, 100% of the show. But when you get a a guy like Kid Isaac wrestling Greg, is that kind of something that is um, a chance for him to show that he can hang with a guy like uh, Greg Sharp?
0: Well, to over the you know, Ka- Kid Isaac's come in, he works hard, you know, he's, he's been our sound guy, got some opportunities on Future Shock, and I believe I had talked about it last week that, you know, a couple of the mainstays came up to me to make me aware that they felt that Kid Isaac was, uh, you know, deserving of some, some, some more. You know, what more is, you know, that's kind of up to me to figure out, but getting more opportunities and you know jacob austin young worked him in a tag match uh remy marcel you know saw him in something and put him over uh you know yeah i understand it it was tough for gregory sharp because he had no knowledge of who he was going to wrestle because you know he was pulling names out of the hat and whichever one oh wait they were all kid isaac so needless to say he was also well prepared for kid isaac and who, who put up a good showing You know, all Kid Isaac can do at this point is improve and try to get people to take notice. That's how you move up the ranks in FSW. You know, when you get that opportunity, you're generally starting at the bottom and you're earning your way to wherever it is you're going to go. And regardless of what people like to believe, the way you get there is by proving yourself. Nobody's holding anybody back. You know, nobody's not looking for somebody to succeed. You know, I understand if I don't care for Hammerstone, for example, oh, well, I'm going to bury him. Well, all burying him would do is not make him want to show up anymore. And you're going to lose out on a great talent, you know, all the guys who have risen the ranks will all tell you that they thought they were deserving of higher accolades championships before they ever got them. And, yeah. you know, go ask a Jay Vidal. And he understands that he wasn't ready when he thought he was ready because now he sees where he's at now. And now he understands the time and the effort And the building of a character and having people believe in you, you know, is a big deal. You know, you can't just put the belt on somebody and then hope he grows into it. You know, back in the day, WWE, I remember when, uh, JBL and JBL was, you know, part of the APA, whatever Simmons is gone. And literally within one month, he went from now I'm the New York tycoon guy from Texas to I'm the heavyweight champion beating Eddie Guerrero. And JBL, six, eight months later, was one of the best heels in wrestling. And it would have been a much bigger deal if he won the title then instead of them, you know, jumping it and within a month putting the title on him because it was kind of like, What the fuck? Because when you're perceived as a jobber, when you're perceived as a mid-card guy, you know, going in, it's like, can Nick Xander beat Hammerstone for the heavyweight championship? Of course he can. But if you did do it, you'd want to do it when the time was right. It's like, not, okay, here's this guy a year and a half in, he's gotten hot, oh, he wins the title. And now we hope he grows into it. No, he, he's got to get it's tied, tie, you know, tie, it's its the time. It's how much the matches that you're going to get. And it's like work with a guy like Clutch, and it's only going to help Nick Xander. He may not think so, you know. And, you know, right now, Clutch is making him jump through hoops, but it's going to make him a better man. It's going it, to, you know. You, you have to have failure before you could become a complete success. You yeah. know, if you don't know what failure is, when you do see it, sometimes that makes you really crash and burn, you know. Yeah. As they say, when you win a championship a lot of times, uh, it all automatically makes you 20% better because the confidence levels there. You feel that you can't be beat. And then when you're a rookie and you start winning these matches – you can't, you can't believe that you can be beaten then either. So you need that wake up call. Yeah, you know, and you know, for the younger guys, the suavecitos, the Brett, the threats, the Nick Xanders, you know, they got to see what it's like to fail, because sure. when you're not going to get better if you're here, you're here, you're here, and then you lose. Now, what motivation do you have? You know, it's the guy who trains, 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 gets a match, has a little success. Now, all of a sudden, the four days a week or one or two days a week, and he feels he's reached his goal of getting to be a wrestler on a show, while the others have a goal of being in WWE, being in AEW, being in New Japan, you know, being in a major company. and They don't. They're not content to where they're at. You know, you never should be content whether you're 18 or 38. You right. know what I mean? Unless you've reached the pinnacle. You know, I I, I knew Kevin Cross started kind of late, and I saw I was like, oh, happy 38th birthday, and it was like, wow. You know, I I forgot it's been that long because I remember he was around 30, 31 when he started with us, and and time as you get older goes by quicker. You know, as I say, you know, one day closer to death every day you live. You know what I mean? It's like there's no no turning back from that. So, you know, you got to put in all you can and you don't want to leave it at the door. It's like guys who want to train and they're out of shape and they do this. It's like, dude, you know, we're not a wrestling school that's going to charge you $3,500 that if you quit in a week and a half, you're not getting your money back, and that's your life savings. We're you know, we're telling you you can give us one month in advance, and then you train for that month. If you decide that this is something you want to continue, you know, I've had more people come through the doors that quit in less than a month than, and I'm not even gonna say guys that have made it to the wrestling shows, I'm gonna right. say more guys quit within the first month than last more than three or four months
1: yep and I think that's universal because I mean even back in your early two thousands it was the same way at UPW you see a guy and uh, you'd have him in class and there was something that you could just tell that that person was gone like they they wouldn't be there more than you know two, two three weeks um, get get that first money's worth and then be like, I'm, I'm done. Um, and I think that, you know, that's something that is commendable to where you allow the person a chance to see if they like this or not, because a lot of people don't know what it feels like to be a pro wrestler, let alone everything that goes into, uh, developing, you know, you're, your talent, uh, if you have the talent for it too. So there's a lot there. Um, and I think Cena is a great example too in WWE. Remember, Cena came up, did the whole ruthless aggression thing with uh, Angle, got some speed going, and then they almost let him go because he hit that point where no one knew what his character was. He had no direction. Then they found the thugonomics thing and he took off and he never looked back because he was ready for that opportunity. Is that something that, uh, you know, some of the guys have to realize is that what they're learning, what they're preparing for is basically to be ready for when that opportunity, whatever that opportunity might be, if it's FSW or if it's, you know, uh, someone who's been around for a while and trained a while, who's ready now like a Mac Vandergrift or Jay Vidal or Damian Drake to be prepared that if they're called upon by, you know, one of the companies uh, to, to sign and go, that they're ready, that that opportunity they know they can do it because they have that confidence and they're ready for it.
0: Of course, you know, you can look at Gregory Sharp, you know, here's a guy who's been around for nine, 10 years. And he finally won his first championship in FSW. Uh, you know, there's different ways to get there. You know, Gregory Sharp's always kind of been a middle guy down the road, you know, involved in no-limits title matches. Him and Gatson headlined the Silverton when the following, you know, reunited. Uh, he wrestled Paul London. He was in a tag team with, with the, uh, the, the agency. And he's been around a consistent figure in and out because he was traveling and doing a lot of other different things. And then he did the hyper streak thing, which, again, was a solid mid-card act and wasn't what some people would say my flavor of the month. And I did not see him as a champion. And he saw differently. And we came to the conclusion that hyper streak is not that guy. And he went in, you know... Guns blazing, you know. After losing to Remy Marcel, and you look at him and you're like, "Wow, I can't believe that guy never had a championship before." But that guy was never that guy, right? You know what I mean? And it was like now he's always been a guy, and that's what I said I didn't like about Hyperstreak was that guy has good mannerisms. That guy is good on the microphone. That guy can be very passionate that the hyperstreak character doesn't really get to utilize. So, you know, that's like saying, hey, you know what? You're a great home run hitter, but we want you to bunt. Well, you're probably <laughs> no. a shitty bunter. You know, you're not going to make $40 million a year because right. you bunt good and you have a good batting average. People want to see you hit 50 homers, you know, right. and, you know, Gregory Sharp's put it all together. Matt Vandegrift over a period of time has put it together. Jay Vidal. You know, and then the older guys that have been around a long time, you know, we've seen numerous incarnations of Cody, whether it was Crash Test, whether it was Cutthroat, whether it was Illumination, whether it was, you know, the original Dark Order that he was in with the brother Smith to Death Proof. And then you got Remy Marcel, the, the lovable guy with the fro to the 86er guy, you know, totally different. You know, Hammerstone was a Thor ripoff. You know, you you have to continually evolve. You know, Funny Bone is one who's a similar wrestler, but body type, he became like a Brian Cage who would do this wild, crazy stuff. But then as bulked up as he is, most people would stop doing that. But those guys continue to, you know, do everything with so much added muscle, you know, to the routine. You know, and then you got smaller guys, you know. If you look at Bryce Harrison, you know, he was probably no more than a buck seventy-five. But when he was first starting to get his run, he was probably a buck forty, buck fifty, and he put on twenty-five pounds of muscle. So if you didn't see him before, you would think he was a small guy. But we saw, you know, the, the, the mature the, the maturization of him where he matured, and Damian Drake's the same way, where he was the skinny kid. And now he, he's kind of filled out a little bit. You know, yeah. Matt was the chubby kid. And, you know, Jay Vidal, you know, he, he has gotten himself in fantastic shape. And and Nick Xander, he's another guy. He was yeah. he was kind of a little puffy, you know, when he came in. You know, Brett's the well, threat. Brett's a Brett's threat. threat yeah. was an, he had an, I said he had an MMA body, you know, and now he knows that's over and he's put all his eggs in the wrestling basket and he's gotten himself in fantastic shape. And generally, that's gonna be help. You know, you want to get looked at appeal is very important. Not to yeah. say that you can't be heavy set and and get gigs, but you better be as good as fucking Samoa Joe. Look how long it took that dude to really get on a national level. You know, WWE didn't look at him for a long time, even though when he was killing it a ring of honor or or impact. You know, well,
1: Joe. I'll I'll be honest with you. When Joe was at UPW, Regal was one of the guys who came in because they'd have WWF would have guys come in every month uh, to work the show and to kind of work the guys a little bit and kind of see. And Regal was one of the biggest supporters who you know went back and basically said, "You guys got to see him. This guy's great." And the honest answer was Vince did not like his body type.
0: No, and, same, same thing with Mick Foley.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it is it is very important. And, you know, that's, that's a very interesting thing, too. Um, when you see a guy enter the ring, if you see them up close <laughs> – and you go, oh, my God, I can't believe that they're that small when you see them up close. That means that the yeah. illusion that wrestling is is working when you think that they're huge in the ring, but they're fairly average size with a, you know a T-shirt on and some jeans after a show. And I think that's something that guys kind of – have to realize and when they do, that's when they start making the strides. You have to look the part. Um whatever that part might be, look at Hammerstone. You know, he he realizes that you know every day is a gym day for him, just like Brian Cage. I mean those guys are fantastic, but not everyone's gonna be those guys.
0: Right. They there's still gonna be a top of the line list for a guy like Vader. You know, yeah. you know if a 400 pound monster comes along, you know, it's a little easier to push, but you can't be a five foot five monster. You, right. you, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you, you talk about larger than life. I'll go the opposite route with Sean Devari. You know, here's a guy who looked tiny compared to the rest of that roster. And yeah. then, you know, Sean lives in town and you see him and you're like, holy fuck. You know, he might only be 5'9", but he is jacked out of his mind. Like, I've never seen, you know, Chris Masters. You you know what I mean? You see these guys, and because WWF at the time, you know, a lot of those guys, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", and and Davari, you know, he fit in the cruiserweight division. And, And we joke, it'd be like, you know, when I do the Indies, the funny thing is, you know, generally, I'm the biggest guy there. And he For said, sure. FSW is one of the few places where I'm not the biggest guy around. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it, 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 it's all about the situation. You know, supposedly Keith Lee got heat because of his weight. You know, many people felt when Willie Mack got signed to WWE, it was like, okay, put him on blood pressure medication. It shouldn't be that difficult. But it was, hey, look who we signed. You know, this guy could be like the next JYD. And Vince may look at him and say, oh, that guy's way too heavy for us. You know, yeah. my, my question is, since Triple H is, has been a proponent of the indie guys and just looking for workers and not looking for body types, you know, does does a Kevin Cross get a call back, you know? does some of these guys who kind of disappeared or do some of the guys who may have been lost on the main roster, like, Hey, does Donovan Dijak come back as Donovan Dijak and get put in a decent position? You know, I think Austin, I think Austin theory doesn't have any issues because I know triple H loved them and, you know, uh, Vince obviously did, you know, but he's the perfect John Cena example, the Drew McIntyre, that these guys came in as the chosen one and it took Drew to be released in three years away to finally put it all together and getting to work with him one time, you know, when I first used them, I was like, yeah, you know, whatever the, the chosen one, three MB, get the fuck out of here. You know, it's like, okay, we needed a WWE guy. We got the hookup from Matt Hardy. We used him on the show and it was like, Holy shit, if anybody gave me money to start a wrestling promotion, Drew McIntyre would be the first motherfucker that I would sign. You know what I mean? And it's like, so they did see the talent. Now, it may not have worked out, but that didn't mean the talent wasn't there. And it's the same thing with Theory. Theory should be a multi-time world champion. Now, whether he does or no, he could fall off the wayside. But he started at a young age. This is what he's been all about you know, met him a few times. I know he was tight with Bay and Cross and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he seems to have it going on. So, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I predict in, you know, maybe 2 years will be the guy leading, you know, WWE. And if not, he'll be the FSW heavyweight champion. So, it's up to him.
1: <laughs> well, you know, and and that's a and that's a very interesting uh, you know, <coughs> Thought that is, you know, not only um, for particular talents now possibly getting a, a, you know, callback, getting a chance to come back, uh, but also uh, some of the creative guys, too, like having a road dog back. Um, You know, that that might be someone who comes back into the fold because. uh, How long
0: long is Regal's contract in AEW? (laughs)
1: Well, (laughs) Well, you know, and that's a good question, too, because it puts more pressure now on AEW to deliver, you know, for these guys um, something that's worthwhile and is not just a paycheck because you know there are going to be guys who are going to want to go back there now that Hunter is in control of both talent relations and creative too, that's a key thing. It's, they've never really done that. Um, and I think that that's, that's smart because that's essentially the role you're in. You know, you're, you're the guy who's, you know, everyone's going to have to go through creatively. You're, you're planning out how, where things are going and also, you uh, you know, If guys have problems, they have to come to you and you have to, you know, you guys have to talk it out. So I think that, you know, you kind of understand that if those guys who like working for you, if they were elsewhere and then they get an opportunity to come to Las Vegas, they're going to reach out to you to work for you. Um, Is that really something that is kind of? important and kind of gets lost on the bigger level because of the fact that when you have these bigger companies, there is a structure to it. But in reality, if you have that one person who is that in-between and creative person, that can make a big difference.
0: In this business, the only way you're getting somewhere is because you know somebody who may know somebody. There's Way too much talent out there to begin with, okay? Yeah. Now, I've told you the story. Chris Bay goes to 205. Sanjay Dutt sees him, who is friends with us. He knows Bay. Gets him on the 205 show or main event or whatever it was. Uh, Bay just came off wrestling at Impact probably the week before. Yeah. Still not offered a contract. They see him on WWE TV looking, giving him good opportunity to look good. Now, he, all of a sudden, they reach out to him. And he also,
1: but, he also, I thought on that uh, 205, because I, I was there, I thought he wrestled Davari's brother, too. He did. Yeah.
0: He wrestled Aria, yes. So they needed a guy, and Sanjay was the first one. And Sanjay's best friend, Sean Davari. So, you know, I don't know, I don't know if Davari was there at the time, but I know uh, Sanjay, you know, made the call and it's the same way everywhere. You know, guys get signed. Well, you know, a lot of people think Brody King got signed because Malachi Black's his boy and he got brought in with him, you know, and, you know, if you go down the pike, guys are getting look, getting better look at and look sees because they know somebody. They're going to yeah. get that tryout before another guy who's just as good if he doesn't know anybody, if he isn't trained by the right people. You know, is Impact with D'Lo there going to look at Jay Vidal like they did or are they going to look at uh, Joe Smith from down the street that nobody has really any knowledge of other than maybe the guy sending an email? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's networking. You know, that's also part of the reason why – When somebody has a fucking seminar who's been in the business and done stuff, take advantage of that situation. The first seminar we ever did was with Nick Dinsmore, Eugene, okay, in 2009. And then we brought him back probably late 2010, early 2011 for uh, the uh, Samstown show against Alcatraz. We did another seminar. And literally like one or two people showed up. You know, and we had a good turnout for the first one. And when I asked, it was like, oh, well, you know, uh, we went to the last seminar. And it's like, yeah, do you think Nick Dinsmore taught you everything you can learn in fucking one, two hour seminar? And it's like, it's making connections with people. Now, six months after that, he is now signed to be a trainer at NXT. And it would be like, hey, Nick, this is Matt. Uh, we met at uh, FSW. I took your seminar a couple times. Well, I would believe if you're anything worth the shit, he's going to answer your email and give you the best advice to move forward. It's not going to guarantee you anything, but it's going to get that foot in the door that 10,000 people are trying to get their foot in. And yeah. you're able to get the foot in. And it's like Davey Richards, take advantage. TJ Perkins, take advantage. Lance Hoyt, take advantage. Like, these are some of the guys who've done some seminars where the turnout was mediocre at best. And it's like, you know, that's great that 60 people and 20 from around the United States fly in for a Booker T seminar. But if you want to learn, you know, the inner workings of actual wrestling, not the business, because Booker T is great for the business. He can get you involved in all that stuff. But a Davey Richards, a TJ Perkins, you're gonna tell me that you shouldn't learn, you're a no-limits guy, and you don't have any interest in coming to a seminar with one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. You know, sure. that that makes me feel that your drive may not really be there, you know, and, and I could be wrong, but again, everything is perception in this business. And if I perceive You're not working hard, just like I had somebody who I felt wasn't around a lot to train, got them booked on a show. They had a terrible match at the show, so I didn't book that person on the show. And then I booked somebody else. And then as a student, they came to me a little disappointed that they didn't get an opportunity. And my response was, well, I got you on a show that got you paid more than you normally would get paid. To work the show. Now, I'm not going to say it was all your fault, and it was predominantly the other person's fault about how shitty the match was, but also you were in the match. So you were in the match, you didn't make it any better, and I haven't seen you train more than once a week for the last three months. So my perception is you're not ready, you're not trained well enough because you're not around, and that's why I'm not giving you the opportunity. Now, I could be totally wrong, but perception drives this business. If I don't see you, again, out of mind, out of sight, when other people are always around, it's a little easier to give something to that person because they're around. And they don't have to be exactly as good. They could be a little bit underneath, but everything else they do puts them over the top because of the, the laziness and not around and no communication and, and things like that. We had another guy who hadn't been around in a while and messaged me in May, you know, hey, graduation, you know, and, hey, next week I got COVID. Okay, well, that was the first week of June. I finally get a message like three days ago. Hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know I'm ready to come back and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, you didn't tell me you were leaving. You drifted off the face of the earth like, you're not in my fucking thoughts other than I saw you at another show and you didn't come to ours and you didn't help and you were supposed to be in the Battle Royalty Anniversary Show. So now you're nowhere. You know, now I'm not cutting you the break on your dues. If you're going to be late, then you don't train because I try to go out of my way and all I ask is for communication. So from June 5th after your, you know, after your COVID, what happened for the next seven weeks? You know, that's cool. You went and did your own thing. But you made sure to inform me that you couldn't make the breakdowns and setups of AEW weekend because of something you were doing, but then you neglected to mention anything else and then just expect to, like, pop back in. It's like, yeah, you're you're welcome to train, but, you know, don't, don't think that there's going to be a spot for you over somebody else who's who's been around
1: yeah and it also goes to show too um one of the things that i'm most impressed about the guys from dom's at arizona is that man they they show up looking the part they act the part and you know You don't see them in uh, a light of uh, complaining or anything like that. Um, They look professional. And it's like you also should be learning from, you know, those you see around you doing something that catches your eye and go, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should, you know, step up and, and be a little more of a professional you know, um, and it just it, it's always something that makes you memorable outside of the ring that helps catch the eye to give you the opportunity to get inside of the ring. And I think that's well, here,
0: here's cool. I got two quick stories about the Arizona. crew. OK, so about five days before the show, technically, I have nobody booked. Uh, Dom had talked about coming up. And he mentioned to me, oh, yeah, they know they're not booked at all, but uh, a whole group is coming up. So then, as I put the card together, I knew I had a couple spots. And, you know, I confirmed with Wolfgang. I'm like, hey, I heard you guys are coming out. Blah, blah, blah. You got a list. And that's where I needed a match for Damian Drake. So Devin Reno got a spot. Yeah. Uh, I had the four way. And Wolfgang was going to be in there, but he messaged me the day of the show that he had a work emergency and he couldn't make it, which was fine because I had Jordan Cruz in that spot. But the main thing was Kevin Koa was not booked at all. Okay. And he had been, you know, the first time I saw him, I wasn't impressed. And then he worked a tag match and he worked another match and he looked pretty good. And I know the Arizona guys put him over strong. So I'm like, okay, you know, nervous jitters, whatever it is, bad match. It didn't work, whatever. You know, I think he fucked up Ricky Tenacious in the match. Might have broke his nose, something like that. Now we're putting together the K Army. And obviously we saw AJ Mana and Kevin Koa. Well, the day before the show, the other person who was scheduled to be in that, messages me you know and again not saying the excuse is uh, not to be there but unfortunately it's a continuous thing where there, there just seems to be where things don't seem to work out and that person just doesn't seem to make certain things when we're trying to do stuff and it's like well i understand there's life things going on but in the FSW life of you wanting to be a wrestler, I can't put you in a spot if I don't know, if I know the Vegas guy may not be there and I can count on the guy driving six hours from Arizona will. And it was like, well, Coe is part of the MK army in Arizona. He's a big guy. He fits the part. You know, the idea of the MK army is not really a tag team, but again, you know, Brian, Brian, from the wrestling scene, you know, jumps the gun. Oh, the new tag team. Dude, it's just two guys. Why? Why? They may be a tag team. They may be singles. There may be another guy, you know. But, uh, you know, those guys came in and they showed tons of fire. And within two minutes of beating guys, that one guy nobody even ever heard of in FSW, and another guy who has very infrequently worked for us in Jeffrey Excellence, these two guys got over enough to where people are intrigued to see what's going to happen with them. And, yeah. you know, I, I, got, I got big hopes for AJ Mana, who's, who's young, who's inexperienced, he's green as green can be. But, yeah. you know, he, he's trained with Rikishi, you know, he, he's listened to Toa and Sepha. So he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's the guy who's like, I don't care if it's a battle royal. I'll drive all the way down. Uh, I just want the spot. I don't care. You know, and, you know, sometimes people don't want to just be in a battle royal and have to drive five hours back and forth regardless because a lot of people feel like it's a meaningless spot. But when you're hungry and you're trying to prove that you're deserving You're going to take whatever you can get and be happy about it. Yeah. And and that's when you decide to use people, you know, more often that they're willing to sacrifice because it's all a sacrifice. Right. You know, when you're driving from, from California for your payday, you're lucky if you're breaking even, you know, maybe if you're not eating food, you know. Right. But you're going to a promotion. You know, Jordan Cruz... You know, hit me up the day before. Hey, I had a cancellation, blah, blah, blah. I know it's late notice. And it's like, bro, I'm glad you hit me up. Love Jordan Cruz. You know, I got ideas for Jordan Cruz. But to get him back in the mix, you know, he reached out. You know, here's a guy who could say, yeah. hey, well, you know, I'm the I'm the Hollywood Heritage Champion. You know, at Level Up, I'm the man. Like, you come to me. I don't right. need to come to you. No. He's professional enough to know that, hey, we're a separate entity, he likes what we got going on, and he wants to be a part of it, what do I need to do for you, Joe? You know, I told him, hey, he's like, hey, whatever you need from me, I'm there. And, you know, those are the type of people that you want to find room for, you know. A good guy who looks good, who can wrestle, who wants to do whatever you need him to do. Like that's a four tool player out of four. Yeah. You know, that's Barry Bonds without the juice, you know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> and could you imagine if he was on the juice?
0: Oh, yeah, forget would... about it. <laughs> he would he would grow six inches and be another hundred pounds, Jordan Cruz. <laughs> uh
1: but you know what, and I think that um that match. <laughs> Uh, you know, the guys involved in in, in that match. Um, just a, a great example of young guys who, you know, like <laughs> Jordan Oasis, besides being one of the nicest guys out there. He has.
0: <laughs> he's he's had... my second favorite Jordan in FSW, so.
1: Well, there's there's a lot of jordans now in the <laughs> out there so there's jordan Cruz, jordan oasis, uh jordan oliver on the east coast so jordan blue, jordan blue, yep you need um, money but if you look at if you look at a guy like that i mean just his presence his his uh his build his you know there's something there And he's been, you know, working at it. Um, it, It's just great to see uh, Grizz Brody. I mean, for God's sakes, I got a feeling that you're going to, you know, do something with him within the next year or two. He's going to be up there because the guy's got something,
0: man. Yeah, definitely. You know, we we really like him a lot. I I think he needs to tone up a little bit. You know, I was watching some of the, the video, you know. Still a young guy that got a got little bit of that baby fat. But, you know, not that it's going to stop him on his style, but it would help him if he's looking to get to that next level. You yeah. know, I, I know that was uh, the one thing they had said about Matt Vandergriff. Not only uh, Conan, uh, but Sanjay at the Impact Tapings. But Vandergriff had toned up a lot more at, at – at the AAA tryout, then the impact as he heard. And he took that under consideration, right. Under consideration. And he got him back in a lot better shape. And now he's way better than that, but he got in good enough shape to where Conan was like, yeah, you know, there was another guy Conan liked and he was like, yeah, bro, you know, you, you got to lose the gut. You know what I mean? It's like, you, it's like you're tall dude and you know, you can do some good stuff, but you need to go out there and, you know, you need to shed 15 pounds. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, this day and age, some people get offended by that. But you know what? It, it, that's what it's about in wrestling, man. It's like it, it's can you get there? Sure. What's the easiest way to get there? Well, if you're toned and in really good shape, that's a plus. If you can wrestle, that's a plus. If you can cut a promo, that's a plus. Now, if you can do all the stuff, you're probably a no-brainer. But now, if you can't do some of it, now you become more the middle of the pack. Now, right. they're going to decide which which guy they're going to, to need. You know, look at Brandon Gadsden. You know, here's a guy who was always a fantastic wrestler, you know. Uh, but... There was always something that held him back character-wise, whatever. And he was always a guy who was a little husky. He was not heavy ever. right? But now, you know, he's working L.A. fights. He's working GCW. Is it because he's in the best shape of his life? Or is it just magically he was a really good wrestler for 10 years and now he's getting these opportunities? Kind of like Ryan Taylor. You know what I mean? It's like these guys wrestling-wise have been, you know, two of the best on the West Coast for a long time. And now they had to get 2009. I, Ryan Taylor was supposed to be on my first show, and Gatson was already booked. So it's, in, it, it's taken them. They were already wrestling. So they've been in the business 15, 16 15 years. years. And yep. the accolades for Ryan Taylor came probably in the last year or two.
1: Yeah.
0: And got signed by WWE. It's like, wow, Ryan Taylor at 25 didn't get signed, but Ryan Taylor at 34 did, you yeah. know? And it's like, because as great a technical wrestler he was, what he lacked, he now gained in one spot. So right. even though he wasn't much of a talker and he didn't really have a character wise, you know, he, was, he looked fantastic and he was one of the best workers there were. You know, Timothy Thatcher's never been a guy who you look at, oh, look at this chiseled guy. No, he had a style. He had something that people wanted. Look at Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb got in phenomenal shape. Yeah. You know, he was always a a heavier guy. So, you know, it's definitely the opportunities there, but it just makes things a little easier. You know, a Jay Vidal, who's a little smaller, it's going to be a hard time, no matter what he does, if he's out of shape.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, but plus, if you're going to, you know, I mean, I, I'm assuming Jay has a, a uh, an only's fans or something like that, too. So, you know, you, you, you got to make your hustle, too. Um, as we kind of get ready to wrap up, August uh, 6th is the next uh, FSW arena show right
0: uh, yes it is
1: have we uh, got any uh,
0: anyone officially on the uh, card yet for that show uh, yes we do we do know for sure that Nick Xander for him to get a match at survival of the fittest he has to defeat a hand-picked opponent of clutch on June on uh, on August 6th. also, uh, after some of the issues that happen after the match with Hammerstone and the faction, it looks like Shogun and hero Lou will be in singles actions, taking on members of lights, camera faction.
1: That's excellent. Excellent. And, uh, I'm sure there'll be some other things, uh, that we'll talk about next week as we, uh, start to get closer to that date. Um, Again, uh, it's another show you can catch if you're not in Vegas on the FSW Network for $6.99 a month. Uh, And you can go back, you watch if you haven't seen uh, New Beginnings. You can go watch that. Um, You know, a lot of good stuff on the network to check out. Uh, And I'm sure, uh, you know, we'll see some some other matches here soon get announced. So keep your eyes open on... Viva uh, be- be- Man
0: will be back on the 6th for sure.
1: There we go.
0: Yeah. Gregor- Gregory Sharp, Damian Drake. You know, we we haven't figured everything out yet, but those are, are also uh, who will be on the show on August 6th. Uh, I do know Hammerstone will not be there. And uh, who else? Uh, Sky High will be there. The Suavecitos will be there. Uh, Brett the Thread will be there. So – you know, it's going to be a full crew. Yeah. And
1: it's all building towards Survival of the Fittest, too. So Yes. Uh, you definitely want to check that out, uh, especially if you're in town. Uh, root on some of your favorites and see where we're going uh, leading up to uh, Survival of the Fittest, which is going to be one hell of a, a show this year. So Yeah, um,
0: and we may have some uh, added uh, national talent if uh, – that company runs our venue yeah. on the 20th. So
1: Yeah. we're going to see uh, Brandon G. I don't versus- think anybody
0: would mind seeing uh, Brody King versus Hammerstone, you know. I
1: thought, see, I was gonna say Brandon G versus Brody King.
0: Well, we we want we we want to make sure Brody King has a cakewalk that first match. You know, we don't want to sure. we don't want to put him in with the heavy hitter. He's the <laughs> He's the Glenn Lerner of FSW, Brandon G. right there, the heavy hitter. You know, speaking
1: of Brody King, I think uh, a number of years ago, uh, I think Brody King and Bateman, I believe, were in a tag match against uh, Spider and Damian Drake and beat the hell out of those two. Uh, you know, could it be time for yes, Damian they... Drake? To...
0: One, of, one of my favorite tag team names, I mean, uh, faction names. They were the Doomsday carnival that's right led by sin Bodie
1: yeah yeah so you know maybe maybe we see Damian Drake uh, finally get a little revenge for uh, you know losing all the way back then
0: I'm pretty sure spider took the pin
1: (laughs) spider out of retirement
0: Tommy Deuce just saying, Look, you know, In in in, mem- in memory of Paul Sorvino and James Kahn, the Deuce is coming back.
1: Hey, you know what? Not only those two, but then you got Le- Ray Liotta and uh, Paul. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. See, so we had four. Yeah, you know, big reunion yeah. going on up there.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and. You know, with uh, what's going on in NXT with uh, Tony Tony D, maybe uh, maybe we could get a, a Tommy D, uh, you know. Hey,
0: you know, you can always, you, you know, why wouldn't you have a bodyguard named the wise guy? <laughs>
1: this shit writes itself, Joe.
0: <laughs> no, I, I know. I'm, I've, I've had it, you know, my brain is full back there with so many ideas that we haven't brought to fruition. You know, my number one, of course, is still the Splat Pack with uh, Mean Martin. Uh, Slammy Davis Jr. is my favorite name in wrestling. And I just, someday it has to happen. You know, I had a big Samoan named Tank Sumatra. You know, so. (laughs) Yeah. You know uh, that's from the creative the creative mind of Joe DeFalco right there.
1: Oh, Toa, you are so lucky you uh, got signed by AEW. Yes.
0: yes, he could have been my Tank Sumatra right there.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Little, little
0: known fact that beers and body slams when we try to, you know, change things up, Shogun actually came out. If you, if you watch it, I, it might have been against Graves. I'm not even sure. It might have even been Hammerstone, but he was introduced as Slammy Davis Jr., and Sally was uh, Mean Martin. <laughs> it lasted one show. It didn't work that time.
1: <laughs> oh man! Tyshawn
0: Prince was supposed to be the first Slammy Davis Jr. Wow! wow. Yes, and Jason Partain was going to be Mean Martin. He was going to come out with the uh, you know, the, the glass, with the whatchamacallit drinks that they liked, with the olive in it, the, the martini. Olive, yeah, like
1: a martini. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, we had big plans back at the Silver Nugget back in the early days. Now that we're back at the Nugget, we may have to uh, bring it to fruition. We could have the Splat Pack take on the 1% Kind of like Kane and Diesel with our own version of it, you know. I do own the rights to the name. Uh, against the Fight Club, which is another faction that I had put together uh, that never came to fruition, with uh, like Phil Baroni, Stephen Bonner, King Mo, you know, a lot of fighters, Sugar Brown, you know. So you know, there 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 are a lot of good ones, man.
1: Oh man. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I, I would love to see that. Uh, if we ever do like a, another, like beers and body slams or something on the strip like that, I'm telling you the splat pack would be the most over group. There is Ricky tenacious could be a good, uh, a good mouthpiece for that.
1: I was just going to say, if, if you could get any one of them who could actually sing, boy there that's gold right there holy
0: shit that's that would be amazing think i can convince chris bay to be slammy davis jr you know size wise they're pretty equivalent you know what i mean Sure. <laughs> you know tyson's a little uh big for uh for for a, right. for a slammy davis jr
1: <laughs> oh man well there you have it everyone for this week uh Again, uh, you know, tune in next week. We'll talk a little bit more about what's going on on August sixth. And uh, again, don't forget the uh, the FSW network, six ninety nine a month. And uh, Joe, any final words?
0: No, we're just getting ready for uh, some big stuff happening. Uh, we're looking at September, October being another mecca, uh, unless uh, Kevin Cross gets the call from his old friend Triple H. You know, so I better lock that in. Maybe I can get that last appearance before he makes the return. You never know. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, check us out, the FSW Network. Uh, these shows are all on there, all for the low, low price of six ninety nine. You get yourself, you know, a couple of shows a month. Yeah. You know, basically three bucks a show. Even if there is some audio difficulties, you still get to watch the video.
1: Exactly. And, uh, hey. Hey. You know, it's not like you're charging, you know, ten bucks a month. It's only seven bucks a month. So. It's not
0: like we're AEW charging that Ring of Honor rate, but not having any product on there. So,
1: <sighs> Jesus, yeah, yeah. Well, at least Claudio got a championship
0: for what that. Well, going. hey, maybe we can use Jonathan Gresham soon. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> I hear, I hear he and I hear he. Get, you get Tully pretty cheap too now, too, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Why didn't Why didn't uh, they let me know? I would have bought Tully Blanchard Enterprises. I know those guys better than anybody. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe next time.
1: Well, hey, you know, maybe uh, maybe this means uh, you know you're looking for some women competition there. Uh, maybe a Viva Van versus uh, Tessa Blanchard uh, in uh, a Mecca.
0: Could happen. Ty of Valkyrie. There's a lot of yeah. options. That's right. Uh, women's uh, champion.
1: Uh, unless, unless again, Ty gets a call from. I wonder how many people are going to get calls from Stanford now.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, who knows? We'll see. It's going to be going to be very interesting time. But until then, everyone,
1: take care, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.